Last week, I kicked off this uh, brand new sermon series called Killer Questions, and we're looking at questions from the Scripture, both asked by God and by people, that really kind of challenge our hearts and cause us to think and go inside of ourselves. Last week, um, we looked at the question, uh, where are you? It was the question God asked when he walked in the garden and Adam and Eve had sinned and Adam was hiding, and we asked that question, where are you? And we looked at where are you in your own spiritual journey and your own walk of faith? Are you hiding? Are you pretending? Uh, Are you struggling? Are you hurting? Or are you growing? Are you doing really well? And and it's important that we kind of step back once in a while and really answer that question, God, where am I on this journey of faith? Today I want to look at another killer question And I think this one is going to challenge every single one of us at least to think a little bit more carefully about how we live. Let me start it off with a story. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? That young lady is um, LaShonda Calloway. LaShonda is 27 years old, uh, lives in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, in July 2007, uh, LaShonda and a 20-year-old friend of hers, another young lady and a guy, uh, pulled into a convenience store uh, in Wichita, Kansas, and um, LaShonda and her friend, her girlfriend, got out, went in the store, and they were uh, shopping around for a little bit, and the two girls got into some kind of argument about something, not really sure what it was, but uh, the argument got heated enough that the other young lady with LaShonda uh, exited the convenience store, came back out to the car, grabbed a knife, went back into the store, and proceeded to get back into this altercation in which she stabs LaShonda several times. The girl takes off, runs out of the store, gets in the car with the guy. They take off. LaShonda um, struggles, stumbles toward the door, falls in the doorway of this convenience store, and lays there and is bleeding to death. Now, here's where the story gets totally bizarre. No one stopped to help her. This girl who had been stabbed several times laying in the doorway of this convenience store and the video footage of the store shows five different people stepping over her either to enter or exit the store without helping her at all. In fact, one person not only stepped over her, but they straddled her and took a picture of her lying there bleeding. It was two minutes before anyone called 911 and asked for help. And by the time the paramedics got to the store and tended to LaShonda, she died. It was an appalling story that when the chief of police um, was asked about it, he, he responded to this newspaper reporter who was trying to get a handle on what happened. He said, you know, this is, this is absolutely appalling. He said, the fact that you could continue shopping and not render aid and then someone stop and take a picture, he said, that's crazy. And then he asked this question. I just thought this was so good. He said, what has happened to our respect of life? Now, I I want you to think this thought with me, because I'm going to guess that most all of us in this room, when we hear this kind of story, would think of ourselves and say, I would never do that. 
I would never step over someone who was bleeding to death. I would, I would at least call 911. I would stop and help. I, I would do something. I'm going to imagine that almost all of us would say, I, I wouldn't have been like those five. And maybe, maybe that's true. But think this thought with me. Are there people that maybe you haven't stepped over them? But are there people that you've been around who were hurting or going through a trouble where you could have rendered some kind of help or aid to them and, and you just stepped around them? How much responsibility do you feel for the people around you in this world? That's what we want to talk about today. Um, our, our scripture text today is taken from Genesis chapter 4. And those of you who know the story will remember the story of Cain and Abel, who are the two sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain becomes along the way jealous of his brother Abel. And his jealousy increases to a point that one day when they're out in a field, no one else was around, Cain kills his brother, leaves him there in the field. And of course, God shows up on the scene, and then we'll pick it up, we'll throw that verse up on the screen for you. If you want to take your sermon outline, you can, out, you can track along with us. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother, Abel? I don't know, Cain says. And then here's the question. Read it out loud with me. Am I my brother's keeper? Say it again. Am I my brother's keeper? How do you think God would have responded to that question? Are you your brother's keeper? Now, let's, let's, let's kind of get away from the exaggerated part of this, okay, for a second. Can we just agree together? We're not responsible for everyone. We're not responsible for everything for everyone. That's, that, that we understand. We get that, right? But are we responsible for at least some of the people in our world? Do we have a responsibility under God to be our brother's keeper, our brother's helper, our, at least our brother's brother or sister. Aren't we responsible to at least be used of God to be in relationship that is helpful and meaningful to people? Would you agree? In fact, at the very beginning, God created us to live in community. From the very beginning of time, we get this, from the very beginning when God made us, he put us together so we would live together. And he said, you know what? It's really not good for man to be alone. And so we have this interaction of relationships that God has created us to live in. But, but here's the deal. You know, we find ourselves in a culture where we've become increasingly individualistic. We, we've become increasingly self-consumed. I mean, come on, think about this for a second with me. You know, most of us, we just kind of, we kind of get our heads down, you know, and we, we do our job, we take care of ours, and we take, do our thing, and, and it's so easy to become oblivious to everyone around us and what's going on in their world and the needs that they have, and so we don't take responsibility or feel like we're responsible for anything about them, even in our own neighborhoods. You know, it used to be years ago that, you know, before all of the technology and stuff, people actually, you know, we'd talk to each other in our neighborhoods, and so many of us now, you know, we come home at the end of the day, we have an automatic garage door, you know, that opens up, and we pull our car in, and we shut the door behind us, and we don't even talk to 
our neighbors. I'll bet there's a lot of us that have no idea who our neighbors even are. But that's not how God intended for us to live. In fact, if you want to you look with me on your outline, I, I, I just pulled out. These are just, this isn't a, by any means an exhaustive list, but I, I just started asking the question. I wonder how many times in the New Testament God says things about things we should do for one another. And I want you to look there on your outline. Track, track along with me what it says. He says, you know, Don, he says, love one another. Be devoted to one another. Build up one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Encourage one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Share with one another. Warn one another. Help one another. Be interested in each other. Teach and counsel one another over and over. And this is not an exhaustive lift. Over and over and over again, God says we have a responsibility to connect our lives to the people around us. Now, here's the question I just want you to, I just want you to sit with today as you, as you spend your own moments with God. Are you being a good keeper of your brother's? of your sisters. Are you letting God use you to impact the lives around you? Now, when I was when I was working on this message, it was really kind of hard because I started thinking of a thousand different ways of we could approach this. But when I came back to it, I thought, you know what? I, I just want to, I, I want to take this big idea and, and I want to give you a few very tangible, practical ways that we can put this into practice to be better keepers of each other. Are you ready for this? Walk with me through this journey. Here we go. Let me give you just a couple of thoughts. Here's the first one. Be gracious and generous with everyone. Be gracious and generous with everyone. When I was thinking about this idea of being, being our brother's keeper, I was thinking about my own life and the people that I'm in relationship with, and people in my neighborhood, people at church, people I know, and I was thinking about how this applies to me. And one of the things I, I just really felt God impress upon me is, you know, Steve, that's true. You have a greater responsibility for the people who are closer in, but here's the deal. You ought to be gracious and kind and generous with everyone that you meet. Amen? We, you ought to be gracious and kind and, and generous with everyone that you meet. In other words, God doesn't expect us just to, 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 to have, have a relationship with a few. He expects us to represent him well wherever we go. That means when we leave here today and we go to a restaurant, we ought to be great ambassadors for our Lord Jesus Christ. When we leave here and we go home with our family members, we ought to be great ambassadors for our Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to work, when we go to school, wherever we find ourselves shopping or being, wherever those places are, we are the ones that ought to be standing out to this world. You get this. There ought to be a difference when people look at us. There ought to be a difference in the way that we are than the rest of this world. Does this make sense? People ought to be noticed something about us. In fact, this is how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Read it out loud with me. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out 
for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, you know what? Wherever you go, this light of God that is in you ought to be obvious to the people around you. People ought to be seeing something different in you and going, wow, I wonder what's that all about. And when they find out what that's all about, they ought to go, you know what? There really is something to this Jesus. Amen? There really is something to this Jesus. This is how Jesus himself put it in Matthew 10, 8. Read it with me. Give as freely as you have received. This last week, I went into a, I went to Starbucks up here at 19th and more. And I stop in there. It's about every other day, I think. I love Starbucks coffee. And, and uh, this last week, I, I was going in there one day and there was a guy who walked in, a front, in front of me, and he, 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 looked, he looked a little rough. I saw him from a distance as he was going in the store, and he looked a little rough. And then when I got in the store and got in line behind him, um, I could tell he, he looked like he was homeless. He, was, uh, he, he looked dirty. He looked worn. He looked like he had just really been through a rough thing. And um, he, he's up at the counter, and he had a very quiet voice, and he uh, was obviously ordering some coffee. And they got his black coffee that he had asked for, and they put it on the counter. And as they put it on the counter and the gal told him how much it was, I saw this guy reach into his pocket and pull out some change. And he starts counting out his change. Now, here's where it hit me. In that moment, I realized this is all the money in the world that this guy has. And I felt horribly, horribly guilty. I have a Starbucks app on my phone. When I get coffee, I just put it in front of the little thing and it goes beep and I get my coffee. And you know what happens? Whenever, whenever my Starbucks card, whenever my Starbucks app gets down to $25, it automatically debits my credit card for another $50 so that I'll never run out of money when I go into Starbucks. I'm watching this guy count out his change and all of a sudden I realize this guy this is all the money in the world that he has. And it, and it hit my heart. And I, and I looked over at him and I kind of stepped, stepped behind him in a notion to the girl who was taking his order. And I went, put that on mine. And the gal slid his coffee across the, across the counter to him. She goes, your coffee's covered. And this guy looked up kind of startled. And he, he thanked her and he put his change back in his pocket. And I stepped up beside him and I put my arm around him and I just whispered into his ear. And I said, brother, if you'd like a sandwich to go with that coffee, I'll be happy to cover that sandwich too. And this guy looks at me and he reaches down in the cooler really quick like he was afraid I was going to change my mind, you know. And he, and he gets the sandwich and this guy looks at me and I, and I kid you not, this guy looks at me and you would have thought I just gave him a million dollars. I bought him a cup of coffee and a sandwich. It was less than five bucks, but you would have thought I gave him the world. You know what? I will never miss that money. Yeah, I'll never miss it. It'll, it I'll, it'll never show up on my radar screen. And yet this meant everything to this guy. Do you get how easy it is to be lights for God in this world? It was such a simple thing, folks. Such an easy thing. Again, please hear my heart with this. What I did for that guy, it was not a big deal. But it was everything to him. And here's all I want to say. You and I, we get the opportunity 
to be the lights of God every single day of our life. And whether we want to admit it or not, the way that we treat people outside of these walls, the way that we treat people in our community, it says a lot about our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? You better believe it. Jesus said, let people see the light of God in you. And when they see that light, let it give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can I give you a second one? And when I thought of this, this will sound funny to you, but I think it becomes really important. And that is, seek to know those God has placed in your sphere of impact and influence. Seek to know them. What are you, Pastor Steve, what are you saying? Here, here's what I'm talking about. Do you know your neighbors? I, I, again, I would bet that for a lot of us, we don't. And I started thinking about the fact, here's what, here's what we understand. The more you know someone and know about someone, the more apt you are to be involved in their life. I'm going to say that again. The more you know someone, the more you know about someone, the more apt you are to be involved in their life. In other words, that's why it's, it's real important we talk about getting involved in classes here at the church and connecting with other people. Because when you come in on a Sunday morning, you really don't get to talk much with each other. And we take time in our class on Wednesday night to, to not only get to know each other a little bit, we share our personal prayer requests. Why? Because this personal interaction starts ramping up our sense of obligation to each other and the sense of community that we have. The more you know the people around you, the more apt you are to be involved in your life. In fact, I put a, a few different things, and you, you find this to be true. The more intimately you know others, the more responsibility you will feel for them. Think about it again. The in, more intimately you know someone, the more sense of responsibility you will feel for them. Think, think, think this thought with me. If you leave here today and you're heading out and uh, you see someone sitting on the side of the road, you're looking at them if you don't know them, I'm going to say that probably 99% of us will not stop. We'll think they got a cell phone. Someone's going to help them. We leave it to someone else to do it. We, we don't usually stop if we don't know them. But if you go by and you recognize them as someone from church, I, get, I guarantee you the odds of you stopping is going to really ramp up. If they happen to be a someone you know well from church, you're really going to stop. If they happen to be a family member, you're for sure going to stop or you're going to be in big trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, that sense of responsibility goes up the more you know them, which is why it's important. Again, you can't know everybody, but what if we did take the opportunity to get to know better the people that we are at least connected to? The more intimately you know others, the more quickly you will respond to them. And the more, that you, more intimately you know others, the more adequately you can pray for them. You know, I'll bet if we took time to have five-minute conversations with people around us, we would be a lot more able to effectively pray for them. Because we don't pray for them, not because we don't really care about them, but because we really don't know what to pray for. Does that make sense to you? I had this, um, I, this came to me firsthand this last week. Um, I go to uh, physical therapy for, for my knee um, over at the Early Wine Park Y. They have an Integris has a, a, a physical therapist there on site. And uh, so I, Kevin Taylor is his name. And Kevin, Kevin's a killer, man. He's, how many of you have ever been through physical therapy? 
Are, like, are all these guys like Nazi kinds of guys? I mean, is that, this guy is working me, man. I mean, he's just working me. And I, when I was in there this last week and Kevin was, he was doing some um, electrode things on my knee, trying to get some of the swelling out. And we got talking. He was telling me about his, his daughter, who's 19. She's a, a freshman up in Alva at Northwestern Oklahoma State University. And um, he said she's in this dorm. She's a, 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 an academic. You know, she's one of those really bright kids who gets straight A's. And he said what's really funny, they put her in a dorm with the girls' soccer team and all of these other jocks. And so she's in this, she's in this dorm with all these girls who are just kind of, you know, neck deep in athletics. And then there's her who's this, who's this scholar, you know, kind of it. And, uh, and he said it's, it was really funny to her from the very beginning. He said, but they had this all dorm meeting and he said, and they were going over the rules and they were kind of going over the procedures and how do you get things done and all that kind of stuff. And he said, then they started going through, you know, what to do in case of a tornado and what to do in case of a fire. And he said his daughter, Cora Beth, is, is reading this information. And as, she, as she's looking, reading down the sheet, she starts reading ahead and she reads down there where it has a, a whole part that was dedicated to what to do if you have a disabled person in your dorm. Well, Cora Beth has cerebral palsy, and she walks with the walker. Now, when you hear the words disabled person, it's just a phrase. And Cora Beth, when she read that, and when there was kind of a break as they were heading toward that, when they kind of got to a pause, Cora Beth raised her hand, and the leader of the meeting said, yes. And Cora Beth said, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking about what to do if you have a disabled person in your midst. And she said, my name is Cora Beth, and I am that disabled person. So y'all pay attention, because you're going to have to take care of me. And everybody, everybody laughed. But all of a sudden, you, you see what happened? She took this vague concept and she personalized it by telling them, this is who I am and this is who this is talking about. And he said it was so cool. He said this big soccer girl comes walking over to Corbeth and he, she goes, how much do you weigh, Corbeth? And Corbeth looks up and goes, I don't know, maybe 120. And this soccer girl reaches down, throws Corbeth up over her shoulder, walks her across the room, takes her back to her seat, dumps her back in the chair and goes, we've got you covered. <laughs> we've got you covered. You see, now here's the deal. I want you to see how beautiful this is because this is exactly what I'm talking about. If there's a fire, guess who's going to come to the mind of every person in that dorm? Cora Beth. Because it's no longer this disabled person. It's Cora Beth Taylor. Amen? get that? Get to know them. Let me give you one more. Seek to be a blessing in proportion to how God has blessed you. Seek to be a blessing in proportion to how God has blessed you. Just us. Look at me. How many of you aren't afraid to publicly admit you have been blessed by God? Hold on. Okay. Now, let me ask it again. How many of you aren't afraid to say publicly that you have been blessed greatly by God? Look at me. 
So what are you doing with that blessing? You do understand God didn't bless you for you to keep all of that to yourself. Amen? Let's go back to Genesis 12 together for a second. When God comes to Abraham at the beginning of his covenant with mankind, and the Lord says, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and I will bless the whole world through you. You will be a blessing. Everybody say, be a blessing. That's what God created us to do. Not just receive the blessing. You go, oh, thank you, God, for, for giving me talent. Thank you, God, for giving me money. Thank you, God, for giving me health. Thank you, God, for giving me. It's not about taking all of that in. It's about allowing God to bless this world through us. Does that make sense to you? And I think one of the legitimate questions that we have to answer before God is what am I doing with all of that that you're giving me when we stand before God? He doesn't want our hands full of all of the stuff that he's given to us. He wants our hands empty because we've given it away. And that's a principle we've got to understand in this consumer, God bless me culture, we've got to become a people who say, Lord, you created me to be a blessing. We need to wake up every day and say, Lord, there are people in my world that you want to bless. Would you bless them through me? You know, I, I get the privilege of doing a good bit of, of coaching with pastors and, and churches and, you know, I've been asked before, you know, how, how that all kind of came about. And, and it really just came about, about from a few guys asking me if I could help them. And I was willing to do it. And people find out you're willing to do it. You kind of get asked to do it. And so I do, I do a lot of that now. And it, it takes a lot of time to do some of that kind of stuff. And, and I get asked, why, why in the world would I do that? Now, look at me. I want you to hear my heart. You know why I do that? Because I'm here today standing before you because there were people who poured into me. I had a youth pastor who took me under his wing. I had some youth counselors who put their arms around me when I was going through a real volatile time in my adolescent years. I had a basketball coach here at Mid-America Christian University. His name was Willie Holly. And Willie Holly made it his life goal to kick my tail every day. To make me into a man. And, and I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be half of what I am if he hadn't taken that time and that effort to pour into me. So many people have given to me. How can I help but give it away? I don't know what God has blessed you with. But if you're keeping it, you're not fulfilling the reason God gave it to you to begin with. We were created to be a blessing. Amen? You bet. Now, I love one of, the, one of the beautiful pictures in Scripture. If you want to see how this gets played out in some real tangible ways. In Acts chapter 2, as, as the gospel was going forth and these people were coming together, read it out loud with me. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Did you catch that? They sold their, pop, their property and possessions to share with those in need. Why? Because they believed that they were blessed to be a blessing. You know, one of, one of our focal points of the church is to meet our, serve our community at their point of need. 
And that's led us as a church to, to really opening the doors of our beautiful facility that we have and allowing groups from our community to be able to use it. Um, you know, the YMCA, Early Wine Park Y, has uh, a, a lot of their kids' sports programs come through our facility and, and through our gym. And we make it available to them at no cost. Why? Because we believe God has blessed us, and it's our responsibility to be a blessing. And we try to find all kinds of ways to do that. Two years ago, um, I got a call from a young man named Salvador Hernandez. And Salvador was pastoring a, a little church, a Hispanic church. They were meeting in a, in a Presbyterian congregation uh, here a few miles away. And I had met Salvador. We had crossed paths a few different times in, in community things. And Salvador came to me, called me, and he said, Pastor Steve, he said, the church we're meeting in is closing its doors. And we're going to have to find another place to meet. And he said, so we're looking at some different options and um, he said, but we're going to need a place coming up very quickly. He said, would there be any way that we could meet at Chartel for a few weeks uh, until we find a place that we can rent? And I said, absolutely, Salvador. And so I said, why don't you have you and your leaders come on a giving Sunday and I'll show you the facility and I'll show you a, a room that I think will work well for you. And so on a given Sunday, Salvador came two years ago this summer. Salvador came with his crew and I showed him through the facility. And again, you know, these, most of these people had never been in a facility this nice. And they were walking through, and you could just see they were just starry-eyed at, at that. They walked into our gym and went, wow, are you kidding me? And I took them into the student ministries room where I thought, I said, I think this room will be, you know, a good room for you guys to, you know, to meet in for, for your size and all that kind of stuff. And, and they, were, they, they, were, they were so excited about that. And as we were walking back, I said, do you think this will be adequate? And, and Salvador said, oh man, he said, our people are, they're beside themselves. This is going to be fantastic. And all of a sudden it hit me you're going to meet here for a few weeks and you're going to look for somewhere else. And I turned to Salvador and I said, Salvador, do you think your people would like to meet here permanently? And he was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, man, that's, that's a part of what we do is make our facility available to people in the community. And what better, what better thing could we do than to help you reach the Hispanic community by letting you meet here? I said, I'll, I'll take it to the board, but I don't think there'll be any problem at all. And the board jumped all over and said, absolutely, this is what we do. And so two years ago, Salvador and Central Cristiano Church began using our facility. And they started out in the student ministries room, and, and we walked through COVID and all that kind of stuff together. This last January, they moved their worship, center, they moved their worship into our sanctuary here. And uh, some of you, if you hang around long and all, you'll hear them, because baby, when they worship, they worship loud. <laughs> I mean, they crank it up. And, uh, and, it, and it's gone so well, but here's the deal. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Salvador and his family. This guy works a full-time job at Arvis Bank. He works 40 hours a week as an underwriter, then pastors a church on top of it, then has to care for a wife and four children. Now, can I just say this out loud? That right there, that's a full-time job right there. Amen? And Salvador, you can see, he, he, he leads worship for his church. He preaches. He, he, he does so much. And this last year, he started coming in, and we, we were meeting, and I was doing some mentoring with him. And he came in one day, one night, and we met, and he said, Pastor Steve, he said, man, I'm, I'm getting really worn out. 
He said, I, we got to find a way. He said, I've got to find a way for my church for me to be able to be full time. And we started talking about how much money his church was bringing in, and it wasn't nearly enough for him to be able to be full-time. And so we talked about ideas of the way he could grow his church and things that we could do. And, I mean, we make the facility available for free, but that doesn't bring money in, and that doesn't, doesn't really help him. And then as we, we talked, I pitched this idea to Salvador. I said, Salvador, what if you weren't a separate church anymore? I said, what if we could find a way to bring you onto our staff and instead of being Central Cristiano, you and your church would become Chartel Church of God in Espanol? What if we could find money enough in our budget to make up the difference for what your people can't bring in so that you could quit your job at the bank and be able to be a full-time pastor and father and husband? instead of trying to do all of that. And Salvador, I thought he was going to cry. He said, do you think that's possible? And I said, Salvador, I, I, I'll approach our board. But I think, I, think the, I think our people will be on board with that. And I pitched the idea to our board, and I said, here's the deal. This guy's killing himself. We have a chance as a church to come alongside. It's going to cost us some money. But we got a chance to come alongside of this guy, save his life, save his family, and have an incredible Hispanic ministry through our church if we're willing to give out of our budget to make it happen and start calling them family instead of a church that meets at our facility. And our board unanimously said, yes, to whom much is given, much is required. God, look at me, God has blessed us. We have this beautiful facility, we have all this land, and we are debt-free. Our, our giving this year has been above budget, and, and I believe with all of my heart that you as a people are going to reach down and give even better this year to make this happen, because here's the deal. Come January, beginning January the 1st, Salvador Hernandez will be a member of our staff, and their church will be a part of Chartel Church of God. They will be Chartel Church of God. That's what it means to be the kingdom of God. Amen. Am I my brother's keeper? You better believe you are. That's why God gave us one another. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today as we come before you, Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We don't mean to become self-focused and self-serving. We don't mean to become self-consumed. But it's just really easy to get that way. Lord, when I told that story at the beginning, I know that most of us could never dream of stepping over someone who was dying right in front of us, but the truth is, Lord, that probably many of us just this last week stepped around people who were dying right beside us in slow ways because we didn't care enough. We weren't broken enough. We weren't compassionate enough to reach out and help. And Father, I, I know we can't do everything for everyone. 
But I really believe that we can do a lot for those around us if we would just open our eyes to the opportunities that you give us. And so, Father, my prayer today as we leave this place, as we go to restaurants and eat, as we go back to work tomorrow, as we go to school, wherever, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, I, I pray that these people all around us wouldn't be just nameless faces in the crowd, but that we would see them like you see them, with eyes of compassion, and that we, to the best of our ability, with the power and help of your Holy Spirit, would become our brother's keepers. Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity we have as a church to embrace Salvador and his congregation and just, just pull them on in to make them a ministry of our church. And I pray, God, as we do that, that you'll pour out your best blessings. I pray, Father, that you will make an incredible impact in the Hispanic community here because we cared enough to do our part to help make it possible for this young man to become full-time as a pastor and this church to flourish. Lord, your, your word says there's only one church, and it's the church of God. It's yours, not ours. Help us to the best of our ability to take responsibility for those that you've put in our sphere of influence. Lord, we love you today. Help us to put this word into practice as we leave. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.